I thought, this is cool, it's no bother, we'll get up, we'll get a chance to talk, get a chance to share our heart and share our life. And then there's already been a couple moments this morning where things started to bubble up a little bit emotionally as, as we got a little bit overwhelmed with the singing and we were thinking about you know, our, our heart and where we've just come from. So I'm going to be transparent with that. But God has created us in his image with, with emotions and sometimes when we feel them, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, so I'm going to start with that just in case you're like, why is that boy crying? Uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the deal with that? Um, in the book of Acts, uh, I, I love this, I, I love it. Um, and, and, and in the book of Acts, you see the, the, growth of the, the growth of the kingdom, the growth of the church as it spreads from Jerusalem throughout the known world um, at that time. And in and in Acts chapter 11, there's, there's a part in chapter 11 that, that talks about the, the persecution that arises because of Stephen being stoned. Um, and after he's stoned, many people flee Jerusalem because the persecution against the Christians is so great. They depart and they flee and they go elsewhere. But as they're doing it, they're not just running because they're not courageous. As they're doing it, they're doing it with a purpose. And they're, they're teaching and they're, they're preaching and they're proclaiming. And as they go out, churches start being planted. And so a church is planted in this place called Antioch, a city uh, called Antioch in, in Syria. Um, and so there in Antioch, they start preaching to people who come from a Jewish background, but then they start coming in contact with people from a Greek background. And they're like, well, how does, what does this look like? And so the church in Jerusalem decides we're going to send Barnabas to them so he can encourage them and he can have a chance to help this church grow and bring people in from all these different backgrounds. And so Barnabas goes there, and after a while he's like, I think I need some help. And so he goes and finds a guy named Saul from Tarsus, brings him back, and they're there in Antioch for over a year, preaching and teaching and and helping that church grow. And then in Acts chapter 13, again you see Antioch. This is a couple chapters later, and it says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, And while we were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And so from there on, you see Saul and Barnabas going on this amazing missionary journey. And you see the different things that happen in these different places. And they're in places like Iconium and Lystra and Derbe and and, and God is doing amazing things through them. And there's times where they're being persecuted for their message. There's times where they're being really encouraged by the interactions that they have. And so when they return in Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 26 from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together. They reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now, this was a church that they'd spent over a year with, um, sharing their life with. And then at that point where the church is is ready, they send them out. And so they go and they start planting churches. And as they return, they they tell their story. They, They have a chance to encourage this church in Antioch. And it's not just about, here's what we went through, here's what we did. But the story... Um, as you see there in verse 27, they gathered the church together, reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. This is a chance for us to kind of share our story a little bit. Not 
this is what Robin and Chris saying the, the team had done, but what God has been able to do because of the opportunities that arose from us to be able to go and, and share our lives in central Scotland. And it's hard for me to think, how can I condense 11 years of ministry and all of the different stories that we have, all of the people that we interacted with, how, how can we condense that into a 25-minute sermon here at, at Northside? So short answer is, I can't. I may go over a little bit this morning, but that's all right. Uh, you know, you might, you might get a little bit nervous when the preacher's kids show up with whole backpacks full of stuff to do while, they're, while their dad's speaking. Uh, but yeah, I, I think one of the things that I really want to convey, I, I recognize that we, we can't. Uh, I, I hope we've done that over some of our meals and some of our interactions. And I hope you've been able to share a little bit of our heart and love for my people, uh, for the, the people that we've spent the last 11 years with. And back in the fellowship hall after, I look forward to sharing some more, more of those stories. But if I was to condense it, and if I was to think about the one thing that I really want to think about when we think about our 11 years there and the different contexts in which we ministered and the different things that we were involved in comes down to this word, and that word's koinonia. Koinonia, the Greek word. And when you look up Thayer's Greek, Greek lexicon, it's defined this way as fellowship or association or community, communion, joint participation, or contact. And so that's the classical Greek and, 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 the, and the, the meaning that comes from that word. See, we use words like fellowship and we think, okay, that's like a meal or it's like a hall that's like attached to our building. But koinonia fellowship is something that's so much deeper than that. It's something that shows unity. It's something that shows love. It's something that shows a share, a partnership in mission, a, a partnership in, 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 in identity. When, when you think of what you've become and, 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 and where you're going to as you become children of God. And so this word koinonia is the one that really we kind of wanted to share and impart. And so when you see pictures this morning, it's not just, here's some faces. This is, this is lives, people who have impacted our lives. Uh, it's, it's koinonia, it's fellowship, um, it's, it's love, it's relationship, and it's communion. And so I'm, I'm excited, does it sound like it? But I am, I'm excited. And I'm thankful for the chance that we have to, to share that um, this morning. And I hope and pray that just as the saints in Antioch were encouraged when Paul and Barnabas came back, I hope and pray that this is an encouragement uh, to you, maybe even a challenge when we start talking about some things towards the end. And as I share another Koinonia passage with you, and that's how we'll close uh, from Philippians chapter 1. So our koinonia started 11 years ago, actually probably 13 years ago, uh, when we think back to our team as we were forming in Sunset uh, International Bible Institute in Lubbock, Texas. And Chrissy and I, for obvious reasons, myself being a native Scot, we had it on our heart to go back to Scotland and work with churches there. And so as we began interacting with people and inviting people and say, come with us, come be part of this journey, come be part of this story, most people were like, nope. Scotland, that's not where I fancy going to. I'm going to go into youth ministry in Oklahoma or I'm going to take a pulpit position in Texas. And people had the preconceived ideas already of where they wanted to go. And in the midst of that, God was able to really do some amazing things and bring a team together of three families, two single ladies. And in 2010, late 2010, we arrived together in central Scotland 
as part, part of a church planting team. And so when we initially arrived, um, we worked with the church in Stirling. Tristan uh, kind of gave a shout out to the, the church in Stirling there uh, this morning where him and Leslie uh, served and, and, and shared part of their heart and part of their life and part of their story with. And so we worked alongside the congregation in Stirling with the goal of planting a church in the community of Falkirk. Because when we first went and we were looking at where do we go in Scotland, 5.2 million people in this nation, where can we go make the most impact? And when you look at the area on the right, that's called the central belt of Scotland with Glasgow, our largest city on the west, Edinburgh, our capital on the east. Um, And we thought that is the area where most of our population live, over 4 million people in that area, 75% of Scottish people live in that one area. So it's pretty condensed in there. We thought, let's go to the middle of that. So Falkirk, you can kind of see it. This is a really cool clicker, by the way. Check it. Right, there we go. Look at that. Check a nice Falkirk. So that's where we ended up. So close to Glasgow, close to Edinburgh. Laser pointers have really come a long way. Love technology. <laughs> this, is, this is cool. So, so central Scotland was where we, we really had on our heart. We thought we could impact the most people. And Falkirk was the city that we identified. And so as we looked at that area, it was geographically quite close to Stirling. But when you look at all the urban areas in Scotland, Falkirk was the largest urban area that had no known work of the church at that point in time. And so we thought that is a place that we can impact, but we can also be a resource and a light to some of the other churches around that we can be an encouragement and we can help them as they try ministering and reaching out. And so our koinonia, our fellowship, our relationships pretty early on uh, began in our, in our homes. Um, and we think we have such fond memories of, of these moments in our, in our living rooms. Uh, Scottish living rooms are quite compact, as you can see. Uh, but we're all piled in there studying and sharing this story, sharing God's story um, and growing in that with one another. And so as we came in contact with people We had the chance to invite them in and to be part of God's story as we all learned together and poured through the word with one another and grew in that context. But pretty quickly, as you can see from Scottish homes, uh, we got to the point where we were starting to to need to to look and and expand from that. And so thankfully, we ended up being able to um, locate a place, a, a community center in which we were able to meet. But the fellowship that grew there was one that continued to have an impact on, on the kingdom as, as the gospel was preached, as people were studied with, as the gospel was proclaimed, and the kingdom continued to grow. When you meet in your homes, though, you don't exactly have a portable baptistry uh, that you can move around with you. So as people were added to the kingdom, we had amazing moments where we were able to use things like a public swimming pool. Um, or a hot tub. We were just, whatever our opportunities we had at our disposal to, to immerse people into a walk with God was, was, was used. The swimming pool one was awesome because the lifeguard blew his whistle and all these people were, you know, practicing their laps and swimming and they left the pool and stood at the side like this. Well, we went and, and did a baptism and then sang Amazing Grace and had a prayer over at the side. And what, what a... <laughs> What a witness to those around us. They're like, what is going on here? I just wanted to swim. <laughs> and they're able to see people being, uh, being born again and, and, and washed uh, and, and with, with life anew and become a new creation. 
And so as we grew in our fellowship and we grew in those koinonia moments and as we grew in that participation and that sharing with one another, uh, we got to a point where we looked at moving into a community center in, there we go, this area right here, Hall Glen, which was a neighborhood in an area of Falkirk where we really felt we could help. And in our mind, and this is something when it comes to our, our expectations, we saw amazing community life form as a community of faith. And we saw people coming from different backgrounds. Um, but in our mind, we thought this is our place for us to really be able to impact this community as a whole. And I believe we did. We'll get to some of the things that we did in a little bit. Um, but sometimes we have this, this ideal mindset of what, what church is going to look like moving forward. And God sometimes takes those moments and says, that's cool, but this is the plan that I have for you instead. And so in those Koinonia Fellowship moments, as we were trying to reach out and bring people in, what we ended up finding was we had a number of others who would come along to be part of us, perhaps say on our Sunday evening or Sunday morning, we would usually have 15 to 20 or so on a Sunday morning or Sunday evenings, we would sometimes have 50, 60, 40, you know, that, that, kind, of, that kind of group. And we found that there were a number of families that were hurting, that perhaps they were members elsewhere, um, attending somewhere else on a Sunday morning, or perhaps they'd even fallen away for a while. But they'd found a place where they could come and identify with a church community and spend some time healing. And so we found that our Falkirk congregation, our plan was outreach, 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 community, 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 and grow that way. And we found that a lot of our growth came from people elsewhere that already had some sort of background or some sort of walk, but they were, they were hurting in that. And so we really became a safe place, a safe community of faith as we all tried growing together in our Koinonia Fellowship. And it was a place for us to gather and help people feel safe and be reminded of that and have a chance to grow in their walk. And so for a season... We really became a place to build people up so that they could then go back to places where they were or perhaps they were already involved to strengthen them. And so our mindset of growing this church in Falkirk actually became a much larger kingdom focus and a much wider focus as the church in Stirling was encouraged or Cumbernauld or East Kilbride or Kirkcaldy as people came from elsewhere and they had a chance to be built up to then go out with. That was huge for us because it made us realize that our ministry and our work, and I think this is the case for all of us, it's not just about our congregation and our church, and I say our loosely because it's not ours, that the focus of God is, is kingdom, and it's much bigger than that. And so that was a huge reminder for us every Sunday as we gathered with one another and as we shared a meal with one another and as we watched our kids grow and be encouraged in a community of faith. It was a reminder that kingdom was a much larger picture than even kind of what we had hoped for and what our expectations were. But all of this is just a snapshot of some community koinonia fellowship, some church life as we all gathered together and grew in the word. And I am so thankful for that and, and blessed beyond measure to be able to be part of that. 
Realize that in the slides, my little titles haven't come in. That's why sometimes you'll see a big blank, but that is what it is. Format and technology. It gives us great clickers, but sometimes it messes up when it comes to PowerPoint. But yeah, no worries. But one of the things that, that we were really thankful for as we were able to gather as a community of faith and impact different families, one of the things that we just felt a huge blessing being part of was seeing, seeing the fellowship with our kids. And I'll get... Towards the end, I'll get to the importance of, of why that was the case. Um, but when we, when we looked at the community life of our kids being able to grow up as part of a really vibrant children's ministry, part of a really cool Sunday school program where we were able to have different classes going on at different times for different age groups, our kids were able to enjoy a meal with each other every Sunday and be part of life with one another. And that's what it became. It wasn't just a church on a Sunday thing. It was also a... Monday or a Tuesday night or uh, an interaction around the family table or traveling 45 minutes away to the, to the family that lived there and being part of their life on a Saturday so we could enjoy. And so that fellowship was something that was so deep, but it was a community that, that gathered around the word of the Lord. And so being able to watch our kids grow up in that context was huge because a lot of kids in, in Scottish churches don't necessarily get that. They really don't. Um, and so being able to, to watch our children in that, in that context was such a blessing and being able to see God do amazing things through our children and through our families. We often look at our kids and think of our kids as being, you know, the, the next generation of the church. We need to grow them because we're impacting the next generation of the church. I look at our kids and I'm like, they are the church. The, the things that our kids face when they leave these buildings and the communities in which they're in, Guys, you are the church. And so being able to like see that in our youth and have them have a missional mindset when they're around their you know, other kids at school was really a huge blessing. And we were really thankful for that. I was quite intentional in some of the, the pictures that I added because Chrissy was a photographer. I take a lot of pictures. After 11 years, you end up with a lot of pictures, right? So how do, how do you stick that onto, onto some PowerPoint slides? But, but some of these pictures are from a long time ago uh, when we first arrived in the field, and some of them are not. But it's cool because you get to see a progression, like a, the, the two girls in, in the middle, right? So if you look at our, our girls there in the middle with, with their face painting. So the one on the right is now halfway through high school, and the one on the left is about to start university, in the next, you know, in the next month or so, and they're both sisters in Christ. And so I think about the, the interactions that we had to be able to impact kids in our children's ministry and watch them grow and become sisters in Christ. It's no longer just about me teaching them in a kids' class or an outreach event where we were painting faces. Um, kingdom relationships that formed from an early age. And that's why are, I, I, love, I love being able to take my kids into these classes back here and you know, to, to, to show them that and, and, and see the interaction because these are seeds that are planted and watered and developed in our church family contact, context and in our family context in the homes as they grow in the Lord. The one in the bottom was one of our last youth rallies uh, before, uh, before COVID came along and, and everything went on pause. More on that later. Uh, but yeah, uh, and so this was one of, the, one of the youth weekends I was able to take our kids to. And so like Enoch right next to me, I remember, I remember picking him up from a nursery, nursery program, like a pre-K program, 
And here I was taking him. He's in high school now. And so thinking of our 11 years of being able to share in lives of families and, 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 and shine God's light in those family contexts, some of whom come from really tough family situations, was really, um, really a beautiful thing. Koinonia fellowship. Koinonia. Deep unity as we gathered together around the word and shared our lives with one another. And that context might have been in a community center. It may have been in a living room in our homes. It may have been a dessert night around the table there. And, and, uh, and the heller's got to be part of that, the dessert night there. So there's David there. and Where's Brenda? All right, no worries. Anyway, so Lane's back there as well. So, uh, but yeah, so like our, 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 our context looked different when it came to those fellowship moments, but all of them are, are deeply impactful and are something that we'll treasure on our hearts forever. I want to talk a little bit about outreach, um, about some of the different things that, that we looked at and, and how our mindset over the years kind of changed. Because from, from early on when we arrived as a team, a lot of our mindset was, let's do this event and let's do this event and let's establish this program and let's do this and this and this so that we could get mass exposure and meet as many people as possible and have the chance to interact and maybe invite somebody along to a Bible study. And all of those were awesome. I don't want to take anything away from that. They were. They were fantastic opportunities for us to interact with people on, 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 in various different contexts. So maybe, maybe it was a holiday Bible school as we see in these pictures here. Or perhaps it was, you know, top, top left there was us planning for a mass leafleting program that we did as we had a, a Bible correspondence course that we, had, that we had taken and adapted and made. And so it was our ask, seek, knock, you know, ask, just ask. And so it was a chance for people to be invited and to study through correspondence and, and us to have a chance to follow up with that. Or maybe it was the Pied Pipers group that came over from Harding University and went into all of these different schools all throughout our area and then came to a community, a big community concert type thing that we did. And we had a chance to get up and, and, and invite people and talk about this is who they are and this is why they do what they do. They have joy because they are walking in the Lord. And so all of those opportunities were all really cool moments for us to connect, to connect with people. And when I was talking about this at a congregation recently, they asked, well, what do you do to, to follow up with that? Like, what does, what does follow-up look like with that? And, and it really it, it emphasized that it wasn't just about the events and the doing something. I mean, that was cool. That was cool being part of that. But ultimately, this clicker just stopped working. Can we move to the next slide? There we go. Oh, it caught up. There we are. Excellent. Ultimately, it was about this. And actually, I want to change this slide. This is, of course, this is the one where the title shows up. Um, it, it's not about contacts. It's not about contacts. I hate that word. Why did I even add that on the slide, to be perfectly honest? This morning, I was reflecting on what I want to do. It was too late. I'd already sent my slides through to Mark. But these are, these are lives and people that, that we, we shared lives with. And some of them, I don't know if they're going to enter into a relationship with God or not. I really don't. But I know that we planted seeds on a variety of different contexts and different ways in so many people's lives. And so when, I was at, when we were asked, how do you follow up? The answer was, just get involved in people's lives. Add them on Facebook. Get their number. Have a coffee with them. Talk with them. Share. 
Um, and so the moments where we were able to have people over in our garden for a barbecue, uh, there's some very specific things that happened to get to that point. That top right picture is all of the staff from a coffee shop in Falkirk. And that coffee shop's not even there anymore, right? But that's all the staff from a coffee shop in Falkirk. And that's the coffee shop that we used to go to. We'd stop in on the way to school and we would talk and we would share our lives. And these, these college-age kids, like, watched our kids grow up, which was really, really amazing. And in that coffee shop, we were able to use that space for our coffee shop Bible studies. Now, a few of you who have come and visited us have been able to be part of that. And the owner of that coffee shop would open up his shop after hours. Like he would just hang around for an extra hour or two so that we could have Bible studies in his coffee shop. Now, he came from another faith background and would even have said he was nominal in that. But yet he was like, this is cool. I want people being able to to use this. This is community. This became fellowship. And so when you look at those coffee shop interactions, being able to then share a type of fellowship with people and share in people's lives and invite them in was a chance for people to see the light of God in us. Um, One of those lads was was staff. And so he would would sometimes work it. And, and there was an interaction one afternoon where he just sat down and started asking Chrissy some questions. He said, I'm not ready to come along to a Bible study. But he's like, I'm really curious. He said, I have no, no religious background whatsoever in my family, but I'm curious. And he had some questions and him and Chrissy started talking. And two days later, she's in and he comes in and he said, I found an old Bible in my attic and I've been reading it and I have these questions. And so he started asking her questions. And so after a while, he started coming along to our coffee shop Bible studies and was studying with us and, and interacting with us. And we still, when we meet, he has all of these deep questions. Um, and so the seeds that are planted, you never know for the long term what effect it's going to be. But I don't want us to look at people as contacts. This is, this is a chance for us to share our lives and the story of God working in our lives with people and bring them into that story with us. And I, I hope that that was, that was huge for us. That was one of the things where it was a shift in us when it came to our ministry, is recognizing that it's not just about the events and the programs, but really it's how we connect with people's lives in the community around us. And not just looking at it, I want to become part of your story and your friendship and your relationship so that you can sit on a pew next to me in church. It's about how can I bring Jesus into the community, not just looking at running events to bring people into our building. That was the main shift that happened. And so as we began looking at how do we bring Jesus into the coffee shop, how do we bring Jesus into the school playground when we're dropping our kids off, how do we bring Jesus into a mountain bike ride with one of the dads that I met in the school playground, how do we use those moments to connect? That's when we really saw relationship forming on such a deep level. And I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more once we get towards the end, because when we think about where we were in those moments in Scotland, in Western Europe, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome to see how God worked in some of those moments. And so the chance that we had to open the word with people in our coffee shop context, and we just did advertise it through Meetup, a social networking site, um, but we ended up having... Like personally, we were involved in four different studies in different in cities, right? So four different cities. So Stirling, Falkirk, Edinburgh, Glasgow. We had studies going on in those cities at various times. 
in those 11 years. And then a couple of other guys from other congregations also started studies in their cities. So Perth and Cumbernauld then came, kind of, kind of came underneath the, the coffee shop Bible study umbrella and used the network that we'd already built. And then the last time I was here, I shared a home Bible study in Dunfermline with a guy named Andy. That came because he found out about coffee shop Bible studies and said, I don't really want to travel to where you are for a coffee shop. Just come into my house. And so I arrived and there was like five of his mates there. And we were having a Bible study in his home because he had randomly found uh, a, a coffee shop Bible study. And so all of those relationships and fellowship moment were huge because they were all centered around the word of God. We spent so much time trying to get people to study with us. And here we just had random people showing up with their Bible saying, hey, it's time to study. Let's study now. Came from a vast array of backgrounds and I have all kinds of really mental stories from some of those interactions. But none of that mattered. The the important thing was we had a chance to open up the word and study through and, and had that right from the bat and and, and the fellowship that came from that. I think about the Koinonia fellowship moments that that Chrissy was involved with and her chance to share her heart in ministry and be involved. When we went through Sunset, we went through the whole program together. So we look at our ministry of how can we tag team with this? How can she use her, her Bible training in a way that also furthers the kingdom? And so the daily Bible studies electronically that she sends out and was able to be part of or the retreats that she was able to organize and the women's speaking events and the different ways in which she was able to really capture a heart for the Lord and instill that within women and started in Scotland, but then throughout the UK. And then to be honest, even kind of globally with the way in which that daily Bible study group has grown has been awesome. And I'm so, the, the fellowship that has come from that and the deep relationships uh, that have come from that have been a huge blessing. So how do you carry that on when the world stops all around you? Um, March last year, all of a sudden, we were at a point where we're like, all right, we can no longer assemble together. We can no longer meet together in person. I'll add that, in person. And so as things came to a halt with COVID, um, it challenged us to look at how do we continue to share those fellowship koinonia moments. Um, It gave me an appreciation for our tech geeks, uh, because I am not a tech guy, right? But, uh, but yeah, like it gave me a massive appreciation for, well, Lee, one of our guys who was able to be like, I've got this. It was like he was ready for this moment. You know, <laughs> we're doing everything electronically. This is awesome. And so he got to use all of his gadgets. Um, and it gave me a, a real appreciation, though, for our ability to be able to keep connecting. And also for us to be flexible as we changed things. So like our Wednesday night, we're not going to do our Wednesday night anymore. We're going to do that on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night so that our people in the community that don't have a chance to have contact, we can now do more frequently. Um, and so how, you know, how, how did we do that? So we had like our, our Zoom calls or our WebEx calls and we were able to, to do that. And we, we had this mindset of that's cool, we'll be able to do this and survive for a few months through lockdown. Um, and that few months ended up becoming... 14 months as our community center was no longer able to to open its doors. We were told by the local council, community centers closed. And so that that community hall that we used was was shut. Um, And we had restrictions on how many people could be in our homes. So we couldn't just say, right, it's time for us to meet in our homes. And so we carried on electronically through that for, for over a year. But yet in the midst of that, 
it still gave us a chance to connect in worship. It still gave us a chance to connect around the word. It still gave us a chance to grow in Koinonia Fellowship just from a different context. Seven weeks before we left Scotland, we were able to get back into the hall. Um, and it was very different, but still a beautiful picture and very awesome as we were able to gather together. There were some restrictions and stuff in place on what we had to do, but at the end of the day, we were still able to be with one another, and you, you really appreciate fellowship then when you've not been able to see each other in person for such a long time, for such a long period, and now you're in a context where you can like, kind of do the, you know, I'm going to hug you from afar or whatever that looks like. But at least you're able to share in fellowship uh, with one another. But COVID gave kind of a, a break and a reset and a chance for, um, from a timing perspective, for the Falkirk congregation to kind of think, what is Koinonia Fellowship? What's that going to look like for us moving forward without the context of the Vicks being involved? Because last year, we made the decision that it was time for us to look at returning here. And we'll, I'll maybe get into that a little bit more as we finish off. But the, the COVID break actually gave a chance for the church to kind of look at it and evaluate and say, well, what's it going to look like for us when we come back? What's it going to look like for us when the Vicks aren't part of that? And we actually intentionally removed ourselves from some of those conversations so that we weren't just saying, this is what you're going to do, see you later. It was a chance for us to say, the foundation's been laid. You've got all the tools at your disposal. What are you going to do? What's that going to look like for you? And we will be over here just kind of watching and here if you have any questions, but it was time for the Falkirk congregation to figure some things out. And, and the foundation that was laid in 11 years or so gave them the ability to, to look at that and, and see what, what is church life going to look like. And so we have a number of guys. We always had, when, when, when you're a missionary, you, you, you always have that in the back of your mind of, I, 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 we can't become the indispensable element. We shouldn't be the indispensable element. Church life is community. How do each member use their giftedness? How, do, how does everybody work together in this and moving forward? And so always throughout our time there, we had a mutual ministry mindset where it wasn't necessarily even always me doing all of the preaching and teaching. Ooh, you know, like you, you know it was, the, the preacher's not doing all the preaching. What's up with that? Because it wasn't just about me being there to be a preacher. It was about me being there to be a missionary and get into people's lives and have a chance to study the word with one another, but then watch as they're then able to take the tools that they learn in studying the word and share that with others. And so over these last 11 years, a number of the guys were able to be involved with preaching and teaching. There was a number of times I said, here, you take that class. And we worked on different things together in that time so that when it was time for us to step back, they're able to continue growing in the Lord together in Koinonia Fellowship. We wouldn't be back if it wasn't with the assurance and the knowledge on our part of, of, of knowing that that would be the case going forward. And so people like Lee or, 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 or Ken and Judy, the Kendall Balls, who are actually semi-retired missionaries from South Africa who now live in Falkirk. Um, in fact, some of your aimers and stuff in the past that have gone over to South Africa to do aim mission work were part of their team. So like, it's, really, it's just funny how things end up becoming connected. 
And so there is a way forward for the Falkirk congregation. But they're looking at things and, and looking at things a bit differently. And they're saying, maybe our Sunday night needs to be back in homes now. Um, and if that's the decision they make, cool. Because the fellowship that we had in those were amazing. And so we're looking at it and talking with them as they're continuing to grow uh, moving forward and continuing to have those moments. Koinonia, fellowship. It's used in a different, we, we got, you know, in, in the Greek it's, it's translated in a, in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's translated as communi- uh, communion. Sometimes it's just simply the word fellowship. Um, other times it's a participation. The passage that I wanted to finish on is very much a koinonia passage. Um, it's a fellowship passage. It's a participation passage. Um, and it's one that we have on our heart. I, I preached from this, somehow managed to get through my last sermon on this passage uh, on our last Sunday together in Scotland. And we flew out on that Monday. And I was talking with a friend beforehand and he was asking, what are you going to preach on on your last Sunday? I said, Philippians 1. And he's like, I'll give you about a minute before you start ugly crying. And I was like, not a chance, man. I have this. We're good. I think it lasted like 20 seconds. You know? <laughs> so, so, so that was that. But this passage is one that is really dear to our hearts because it's, it shows what fellowship truly is, a participation and a deep unity and a deep love. And so as Paul writes to the church in Philippi, um, he has this with them. It's a church that he was involved with. It was a church that he planted. Um, and he has such a sweet memory of fellowship with them. A very different feel to Philippians than it is with Galatians that we were looking at this morning because of the love and the care that he had for the church in Philippi. And we, as we read this, think of the church in Falkirk. But we also have always thought of Northside and you in that role with us as well. So let's go ahead and read it. We'll pull a couple of things from the text and then I'll be quiet because I am very conscious of, of the time. So I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. That's the koinonia in this passage. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. As I read through this, I feel like I could pretty much just read it and then sit down because the way in which Paul brings this prayer for growth for them and a prayer of vision and a prayer of focus for the church in Philippi, that is a prayer that we we continue to pray for the church in Falkirk We have been praying for you for years. You may or may not know that. uh, But we will continue to be praying that for you as we all continue to grow in in koinonia fellowship with one another. And most importantly, in koinonia fellowship with the Lord. And so as he begins, he reminds them of the thanksgiving and gratitude that he has in his heart. And we can't even put that into words, the gratitude that we have uh, for, for, for you guys in this congregation here. 
And, then, and he reminds them of his prayers. Every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You've seen a lot of pictures this morning and you've seen a lot of first day pictures and even the until now pictures. Um, when it comes to uh, yourselves and when we think of, of the, the, the participation uh, from, from, from the first day until, until now, um, I think to the next verse, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, it's not a conclusion. It's not a conclusion of the matter. Uh, it's a continual process moving forward. And for ourselves in ministry, in the next chapter in our story, it's not, it's not a conclusion just now. Um, it is a next chapter. And so we're prayerful as we look at ministry in a U.S. context. We're looking at North Carolina, where Chrissy's family are from. And we're prayerful about the opportunities. There's a couple of opportunities we're talking to people about. And so we've got a little bit of a transition time built in where we can evaluate, have some discussions, and really be prayerful about where our family needs to be. But one of the things I am passionate about and, and incredibly passionate about when I think about ministry in, in, in this, this context here, we served for 11 years in, in Scotland. Um, and that's, that's my people, man. Like, that's, that's my country. Um, and, and when I think of that, when I think of how secular our country really is and, and has become uh, over the last 150 years or whatever, however, however long you want to look at it, there's times where you think, how is God working in the midst of that? Um, and that's, that's, that's my people, right? But then I look at this past 11 years, and I think of the stories, and I think about the people that we impacted, that God was able to do amazing things through, and, and it is evident beyond all measure that, that God is working in central Scotland. And we are thankful, just blessed to have been part of that, and just see a snapshot of what that looks like in 11 years. And as I come over here, and I'm talking with people, and, and and I interact with people, and I, and I hear things in, in conversation where people are like, I'm really nervous about where our country is going. And I get that. I get that. Or I'm really nervous as I'm seeing, you know, this coming in, and the discussions that I'm having with my kids that I never thought would happen. And, you know, as, 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 um, you know, as I talk with Americans, and they say we're becoming so secular, or, you know, our country's going to hell in a handbasket, or however you want to look at it, the, the conversations that I have, I see people who are genuinely worried and have anxiety over the direction of the country going forward. And again, I get that. But I look at that and I think God works hugely in secular nations. I just watched it. We've been part of that story for the, next 11 year, for the last 11 years. And your opportunities to share with people, when you start removing a culture of Christianity where it's kind of the given thing that people go somewhere... And that's removed from you. You see true discipleship and true walking with God in a way that is so bright and is so evident in a way that God continues to use those and the church continues to grow. Maybe beyond our expectations or maybe not in the way that which we, we think it should or whatever, but the church continues to grow as his kingdom flourishes and his kingdom grows. And so I don't know what the future is going to hold for Chrissy and I, but I do know that we're going to have opportunities to serve in ways and show ways in which we can say God will continue to work in this context. Don't be worried about this or that or fraction or division or whatever. 
Because God works in that. And beautiful things come from those hurts and beautiful things come from those moments. I think to our kids, we had a conversation with our kids just a couple of days ago when they were in the car and they asked, is everybody in America a Christian? Um, Because they'd looked and they saw somebody holding a sign on the side of the road and it said, God bless you. And we had to talk about that. And we were like, that's a great question. And, and, and my daughter said to me, she said, there was, there was three people that I knew in my school that believed in God, right? She's eight years old. And she said, there's three people in my school that I knew that believed in God. And so, for, but for her, she was like, that was a beautiful thing. That was like a thing that they shared in a classroom where none of their classmates believed, um, yet they, they shared that connection, um, one, of the, one of the girls was from Nigeria um, and came from a, a Nigerian family that settled in Scotland. And so being able to like, share that connection as, as best friends was huge because they had those kind of fellowship moments. Those moments are, are going to be coming for us here and we're, we're, we're excited about the opportunities that we'll have in North Carolina and we're excited for your continuation because it is a continuation of the story um, that... Verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And his prayer that he finishes, is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Our fellowship that we have with one another is amazing, and I'm thankful for the one another relationships that we have here in this building. Your fellowship extends all over the world because of your partnership in the gospel, the ways in which you're partnering in Buenos Aires and us in Falkirk. And, you know, globally, uh, the, you have fellowship and partnership with people all over this world. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we all have fellowship and partnership regardless of what it looks like in the context of one auditorium. In fact, even right now, you've got fellowship and partnership with, with the mocks in their living room. You know, not too far away is they're online with us this morning with, with, with church. And so those partnership and fellowship moments are, are, are huge and they're a blessing, but it's all for naught unless we're focused on the most important thing, and that's fellowship with God through Jesus, his son. Um, and that was the, the crux of the matter of why we spent our time in Scotland, because that's the message that we want to proclaim, that we can have fellowship with God through Jesus, his son. And we will continue to proclaim that in North Carolina or elsewhere if another opportunity arises, wherever we may be, that is the message that needs to continue being proclaimed. I don't know where you are this morning as an individual. Um, I don't know where you are in your walk. If you... I've had much opportunity to, to think about that. How can I enter into fellowship with God? If you have questions about that, uh, our elders are available at the back of the auditorium. In a minute or two, we'll stand, we'll sing the invitation song. If you have questions about that in any way, feel free to go at the back during the invitation to approach the elders and ask, and they'll have a chance to sit and talk with you um, about that. Or if you're worried because of fellowship, if there's something that, you have done or, some, or a prayer request or something that's impacted your fellowship in a one another capacity and you feel like there's something I need to make right, again, the elders are available for you to go to and talk to uh, during the invitation song if you have anything that you want to bring. Um, I am thankful for our fellowship with the saints in Scotland and I'm blessed to, to 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed beyond all measure. Um, that, that God gave us the opportunity to be part of that story and to make that part of our story. But I'm thankful for the stories that you share as you continue to have fellowship moving on from here in Wichita, Kansas. And I'll leave you with that as we stand and sing the invitation.